This is the Sports Business Radio Podcast for the week of May 19th. Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. You have found the most informative hour of sports radio you'll listen to all week long and the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in this week. Thanks for hanging in there with me this week as I'm uh, losing my voice. In segment three, Mike Kogan with the Fighting Entertainment Group will join us to discuss the growing popularity of mixed martial arts, better known as MMA. We're going to discuss FEG's Big Dynamite USA event they have planned for June 2nd at the L.A. Coliseum. They're going to try and fit 90,000 people in the stadium. Over in Japan, MMA is getting viewership equivalent to American Idol and Desperate Housewives over here in the United States. It is big. They're hoping to have the same popularity when they bring it over here to the United States. We'll talk about that in segment three. In segment four... Rick Buecher, ESPN's NBA insider, will join us to discuss the NBA playoffs and this week's controversial suspensions of two Phoenix Suns players. A couple of other notes. Visit our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Email your comments and questions to info at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to SBR On Demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Click on the podcast page. And you can have our show downloaded to your iPod or MP3 player every week so you never miss a show. I'm joined in studio this week by my producer, Bobby Corser. Bobby, you know, as I wrote on my blog this week, I've been an NBA fan since I was a kid. I have the utmost respect for NBA Commissioner David Stern. He's been gracious enough to come on this show several times. With that being said, I think the commissioner and vice president of discipline, Stu Jackson, just flat out, got it wrong this week. They whiffed when they suspended uh, Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw for basically coming to protect a teammate. And I guess I wouldn't have had a problem with it if they would have suspended Baron Davis for elbowing Derek Fisher in the head, suspended Bruce Bowen for kneeing Steve Nash in the groin, and suspended Jason Richardson for basically undercutting Mehmet Akur. If you're going to rule by the spirit of the law one way and the letter of the law the other— it's inconsistent. It doesn't fly for me. There is nobody defending Stern. I guarantee it. Nobody in the media, nobody in the public eye that is defending him. He was wrong. Well, and they need to look at the rule for leaving the bench. It's too gray. It needs to be more concise. I'm going to give you more of my thoughts coming up in our next segment, Headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, as we just discussed in our opening segment, the NBA playoffs and David Stern, the commissioner of the league, and the NBA vice president of discipline, Stu Jackson. They've been busy during these playoffs reviewing a lot of tapes, a lot of incidences in the Warriors series with the Utah. And then this week, kind of the creme de la creme in the Spurs uh, Sun series, game four, Robert Ory, 18 seconds left. We've all seen it. He body checked Steve Nash out of bounds. Amari Stoudemire, Boris Diaw take a few steps off the Suns bench. They are suspended for game five. But earlier in the playoffs, Baron Davis elbows uh, Derek Fisher in the head. Jason Richardson of the Warriors undercuts Jazz uh, center Mehmet Okur. And then um, we've seen other incidences where there's actually been physical contact. Bobby, the problem I have is be consistent if you're the NBA. If you're going to rule by the letter of the law one way and the spirit of the law another, it doesn't work for people. And I think five years from now when we look back on this series with the Suns and the Spurs, they're not going to remember it for the basketball. They're going to remember it for this suspension. I think that's a shame for the NBA. Oh, I absolutely agree. You have to rule the same way every time or there's no consistency. Commissioner Stern set himself up this week when he did this to fail because nobody's going to support him. Everybody thinks now, you know, that he doesn't know what he's doing, that he's even questioned on other shows, you know, if, is he going by the letter of the law or is he going exactly by the law? He has to make up his mind and say, we're going by this and that's the way it's going to be. You can't go two ways. See, and the thing that doesn't fly for me with the commissioner is that the buck stops with him. He is the man in charge. He can go on Dan Patrick's show on ESPN and say that I'm at the mercy of my owners. I can't change any rules. Listen, it is discretion when they're looking at video like Baron Davis and Derek Fisher and deciding whether or not they want to use their discretion to suspend him. It is discretion in this case, too, and they should have used better discretion. He used discretion earlier in the year when he overturned the failed game ball. The synthetic ball wasn't working. They went back to the leather ball. He used his discretion. I I don't remember that being put up for a vote or him saying there's a hard, fast rule. They didn't get all the owners together to make that decision. This was the wrong move. The NBA whiffed on this one, and I think it's going to hurt them dearly for a long time. If you look at the rem- the remainder of the playoffs, I'll tell you this. I'm going to say this right now, and it, it pains me to say this. As soon as the Sun-Spurs series is done, I'm turning off the TV. The Eastern Conference has been almost unwatchable. To see New Jersey and Cleveland go 4 for 30 from the field in the fourth quarter of Game 5, that is unwatchable basketball to me, and I'm going to click and go watch something else, and I think there's going to be a lot of other people that do the same. We're going to talk more about this topic in Segment 4 with ESPN's NBA insider Rick Buecher. Stick around for that conversation. Our next headline, Major League Baseball officially announced this week that the World Series will begin on Wednesday, October 24th, pushing Game 1 back from its traditional Saturday starting date. The off days during the World Series will land on a Friday, October 26th, 
and Tuesday, October 30th. We could see if there's a Game 7 the first time in the history of Major League Baseball, except for in 2001 when the season was extended by a week because of 9-11, a World Series game in November. That could get a little bit chilly, Bobby. It could be. And, you know, listen, players already complain about spring training being too long. The season's just too long. Keep it at the end of October. I understand you're doing it for ratings, and I understand they want to do it to promote the series, but, guys, you got to end in October. They were doing this. You're absolutely right. They are doing this for Fox. They're doing this for ratings. The Two of the last three years of World Series ratings have been two of the worst TV ratings. in. The, last year was the worst rated TV ratings for the World Series ever. And the year before, that was the previous record. So if you look at Fox... They want better ratings. They don't want to go up against the NFL, NASCAR, some of the big events on the weekend. They'd rather start on a Wednesday during the week when they can establish somewhat of a storyline and play a Sunday night game. They're going to have to take on Monday night football on that Monday night, but at least they don't have to go up against all the stuff that's going on on the weekend. You know, maybe it's not a baseball. Maybe it's the way Fox is presenting it. You know, there's food for thought there. It could be, and I definitely think it's also who's playing in the World Series. I mean, if you look at last year, Detroit and St. Louis, two Midwestern-type teams, they don't have huge followings outside of their core followers. And, you know, maybe if you saw a New York Yankees, L.A. Dodgers, or a L.A. Dodgers, Boston Red Sox World Series, maybe the ratings get better without having to do this. We will see. Our next headline, Major League Baseball owners this week unanimously approved Time Warner's transfer of the Atlanta Braves to Liberty Media. The complex deal involved a trade of the Braves, a group of craft magazines, and about $1 billion in cash to Liberty in exchange for roughly 60 million shares of Time Warner. Now, the good news is the Braves have one of the best front offices in all of sports, and their president and chair, Terry McGurk, and their executive uh, vice president and GM, John Scherholz, they're going to maintain their positions as part of this deal. I think that's a very good move. The other thing that's interesting here, Bobby, is that Hank Aaron is going to take on a very prominent role yet to be announced within the organization. That was also another part of this sale. I think that's a good move, too. I absolutely agree. And, you know, just looking at the transaction values, this transaction value is, what, you know, $450 million on that? The second, it, it basically trumped the deal in which the Red Sox were bought out for $700 million a few years ago. Yeah, so the Red Sox, that was the $700 million deal. The Nationals last year, 450 so this is tied with that deal. $450 million is the value of the deal. Our next headline, Heritage Auctions is offering $1 million to the fan who catches Barry Bonds' record-breaking home run ball number 756 as long as the ball is verified by Major League Baseball and occurs within 15 days of the home run. Now, the most valuable ball, of course, is uh, not number 756. It's going to be the final ball, the final home run ball that Bonds hits. The most valuable ball to date is Mark McGuire's 70th home run ball. That went for $3.05 million. It was sold to a gentleman named Todd McFarlane. And then um, if you're keeping track of some of the other baseballs, home run number 700 was uh, worth $804,000, and that was Barry Bonds' home run number uh, 700. I wonder how much dinghies, canoes, and small rafts are going for the Bay Area right now. Yeah, I bet there are going to be some people out there for a million dollars. That is going to be a crowded place. 
or it may not happen at AT&T Park. Wherever it happens, you know, we've seen lawsuits. We've seen people get in fights. That is going to be a big, big ball to catch. Our next headline, Bobby, this one we need you for. More bad news for DEI this week. The week after Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced he's going to leave the team at season's end, crew chief Tony Urey Jr. was fined $100,000 and suspended for six weeks after NASCAR discovered the rear wing mounts to Earnhardt's number eight car were illegal before last Sunday's Nextel Cup race at Darlington. The team was docked points. There were owner points deducted. Bobby, is this any is this shady to you? I mean, he announces he's leaving, then the next week his car it doesn't look right. What is that weird to you? Oh, I I absolutely think it is. But like I told you earlier this week when this came out, look what happened with DEI. They lost their driver. They're probably going to lose their crew chief because, listen, Tony Erie Jr. is best friends with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Trust me, he's going to go wherever Dale Jr. goes. You know, I'm not saying this. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but he definitely could have changed something on that car intentionally as a way to just kind of get back at the owners. Well, that would be interesting. Uh, I mean, the, I guess the thing that doesn't work with that theory is he's getting back at himself because he's gone for six weeks and Dale Earnhardt Jr. gets suspended. He's volunteered to pay that fine. Of $100,000, by the way, Dale Jr. has volunteered to pay the fine of $100,000 to Tony Uri. Mm, Really? Yes, he has. Uh, Our last headline of the week, NFL London. The game on October 28th between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants, they sold 40,000 tickets in 90 minutes. They're trying to get 90,000 fans to attend the game at Wembley Stadium. Only about 10,000 of those fans are expected to come from the United States. The average ticket prices, they range from $90 to $180. We'll keep our eyes on that. Coming up next, Mike Kogan from the Fighting Entertainment Group. We're going to go inside the business and the growing popularity of MMA, mixed martial arts. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Ryan Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. A Japan-based mixed martial arts organization has joined forces with several American companies to attack a gigantic task. That task filled the Los Angeles Coliseum with fans. Fighting Entertainment Group, which consists of K-1 and pro elite fighters, seeks to entice more than 90,000 fans on June 2nd for an event called Dynamite USA at the Los Angeles Coliseum. The MMA fight card will be televised on pay-per-view via Showtime. I'm joined now on the phone by Mike Kogan, who is producing this event for MMA. Mike, thanks for joining me. Thanks. 
So, Mike, for those people who aren't intimately familiar with mixed martial arts and its history, give us a brief background, if you would. Um, for the U.S., the mixed martial arts uh, came on the scene in 93 uh, with the first ever uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship show, which at the time basically had the format of um, there were very little rules, but virtually no rules. I think the, the only rule was uh, no eye gouging and no biting. Everything else was allowed. Um, there were no weight classes. There were no rounds. There were no time limits. So basically, they would put two people in the octagon, and they would fight each other until one of them quit or until you know the referee decided to stop the fight because somebody was incapable of, of defending themselves. Um, and the, ultimate, the, the first concept was to pit different martial arts disciplines against each other, um, such as you know, uh, karate against a boxer, uh, a kung fu against uh, you know, a taekwondo guy. And the concept was very interesting, and, and it attracted a lot of attention because you know, uh, a lot of people participate in martial arts, and there's always been you know, uh, a notion of who's the, what's the best martial art. Um, and that's really where MMA in the U.S. first evolved, uh, um, first started from, it was in 93, uh, with the first UFC. Um, Hoyce Gracie, who incidentally we have on our Dynamite card, uh, was the first champion of the Ultimate Fighting Championships in the U.S., the, the, the very first MMA show, uh, using his family's art of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which was a grappling art. Interesting. It's kind of like where it started. Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing. MMA, it, it's just taken off in the last several years. What are the elements of MMA that you think make it so popular to fans now? Well, you know, the basic concept of MMA is obviously a combat sport, and, and you know, Combat-style competition, you know, dates back to the gladiator days and even past that. So, you know, I think society has always been interested in, in a fighting sport. What, what makes MMA unique is the fact that it combines multiple disciplines into uh, one fighter. So it's not just a boxing match or it's not just a grappling match. It's, it's a, uh, uh, you know, a fighter is well-versed in both the grappling and the stand-up fights. And therefore, the fight can go on the ground and continue on the ground. Uh, the fight can, you know, uh, keep standing. Um, so as such, it, it has more of a realistic uh, approach to combat or, or just fighting uh, arts to where, you know, the fight doesn't stop just because the two people hit the mat, um, you know, and it continues to grow. So people kind of took up to that idea um, and got really interested in it. Hey, Mike, many people say that MMA has surpassed boxing in popularity. Obviously, we just had the De La Hoya Mayweather fight. There were a lot of comparisons. I even heard some rumors that people in the crowd that night were chanting MMA. If you look at the TV ratings, it's hard to argue that MMA hasn't already surpassed boxing in popularity. Your thoughts on MMA as a long-term viable sport in the United States? You know, there's been a lot of comparison made between MMA and boxing. And, you know, and then with the recent De La Hoya Mayweather fight doing so well, you know, boxing uh, enthusiasts and analysts sort of fired back and said, you know, look at what we've done. I think the, the, the true comparison is, is an average pay-per-view buys for an average event. You know what I mean? De La Hoya Mayweather is a one-time event. Right. You know, and if they fight again, it'll be still a one-time event. There's not 10 De La Hoyas and 10 Mayweathers fighting all year long. As such, MMA has surpassed boxing in its, in its um, popularity, and especially in its ability to, to uh, get the interest of 18 to 35-year-old male demographic, which is the most appealing to um, you know, sponsors and, 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 and uh, advertisers. Um, the long-term goal of MMA, uh, and I can only speak on behalf of 
FEG and what our goal is in coming to the United States, and that is to bring the sport of MMA to a uh, level where and a level and a level. Uh, I believe the level of interest is there now, but just we just need the level of confidence from sponsors and some of the broadcasters to bring it to the level of terrestrial television, and that is you know your 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 basic uh, for big boys, you know Fox, CBS, NBC, and uh, ABC. Uh, FEG outside of the U.S. We are on 130. We are broadcast in 130 other countries. Our wow. events in Japan and Korea. We are broadcast on terrestrial television. You know, equivalent of our, our version of NBC, ABC. In prime time, generating ratings of anywhere from 16 to 22 million viewers per event. So our events in Japan and and, and, and throughout Asia. Are, are generating, you know, American Idol kind of ratings. Right. I mean, that's um, what I was just going to say. That's the equivalent of American Idol, uh, Desperate oh, Housewives, the top-rated shows here in America. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our highest-rated fight generated 46 million viewers. Wow. Uh, and that was three years ago. Bob Sapp fought Akibono. Uh, Akibono is, uh, uh, is actually a U.S.-born, but a, a grand champion in sumo in Japan, so it's super popular. That fight generated 45% rating uh, for us. So, you know, we know... You know, uh, barring the cultural differences, ultimately what excites people is the same all throughout the world. So we're confident that we can come to the United States and, you know, present the sport in such a way that, you know, it'll be all right to watch it on terrestrial television. And, 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 and there'll be interest in it, and it'll obviously be financially rewarding to everybody. So that's, that's FDG's goal, which is why uh, our first show in the U.S., you know, is, 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 a, is a grand statement. I mean, we went to the largest venue uh, of any fighting event in the U.S. Um, we booked it, and we have every intention of filling it. Yeah, that's, I mean, 90,000 seats, that's a, a lofty goal. If you do that, that's going to make a huge statement. My guest is Mike Kogan. He's with the Fighting Entertainment Group. Mike, you know, here in the U.S., we've got the NBA, the NHL, uh, the NFL, Major League Baseball. In comparison, where does the MMA stand on a financial scale in comparison to those other leagues? Well, you know, MMA sport in the United States is purely based on the, the largest source of revenue right now is still pay-per-view. Um, and it seems that the pattern of most promotions within the United States, like UFC and others, is to kind of stay in, in that pay-per-view format, at least for right now. Um, you know, FEGs, obviously our first event is on pay-per-view as well because, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the way to gener- be able to generate revenues at this point. Except, but we, our, our interest is to strive towards what NFL is doing and, and NBA is doing. And it is be on, on television, on terrestrial television, and be based off of ratings and, and sponsor money. Um, you know, so in comparison to NBA, MMA doesn't, you know, uh, come close to generating NBA or NFL kind of ratings. Uh, I'm sorry, not ratings, uh, uh, rankings as far as money is concerned. But, you know, you also have to realize that football has, you know, what, 60, 70-year history sure. within the U.S. You know, we're still a young sport, so to speak, and we're growing, but we're making major, major leadways. You know, you're starting to see <clears throat> FSN, for example, is broadcasting MMA events already. Uh, you know, Spike, obviously, with the UFC is, is going heavy duty. Uh, we're able to get on Showtime, you know, which is a premier network. Um, HBO is talking about picking up some MMA. So, hey, you know, I saw Chuck to... Liddell on Entourage. That was great. Exactly, and you're starting to see some of the MMA stars kind of penetrate into a, a cross, uh, you know, between just pop culture and MMA. And the truth of the matter is, 
Well, in the U.S., it's viewed as, you know, as, as a big, you know, as, as a big advancement, which is, which is, it is, and it's great. For us, coming from FEG, coming from a worldwide arena, we are, we are way, we are way past that. One of our fighters, uh, uh, Kid Yamamoto, was voted 2006 MTV Athlete of the Year in Japan, for MTV Japan. You know what I mean? So we've crossed that barrier a long time ago. That's why we decided to come to the U.S. We believe that the market is ready for the next level, to push it to the next level. Um, and, you know, we have the formula for it. You know, our, our fights, if you look at our card, um, you know, we attract athletes from other disciplines uh, that are not even fight-related. Like, you know, we have Johnny Morton on the card. Right, you know, I saw he's that. A former NFL player. Brock you Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is a former WWE champion. But they're all athletes. And as such, they, you know, they, they learn how to fight and they cross into that. And, I, and we believe that, you know, the audience is interested in seeing that. You know, it's, fighting is fighting, but it's also entertainment. Hey, Mike, we've got just about a minute and a half left. Uh, sponsors for your events and for MMA. Are there sponsors like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, people who tend to stray to the mainstream, are they scared off by the violent nature of MMA, or uh, do you have good sponsorship support? You're starting to see, you know, Gillette did some sponsorships for the UFC. You know, is Coca-Cola, Nike? No, they're not fully ready there yet, but they're starting to pay attention. You know, just recently, ESPN, uh, just this week, announced that I they saw signed that. a deal with, with ShareDog. So you have a channel like ESPN who a year ago said, we will never talk about MMA for us. You know, it doesn't even exist for us. He's now signing a, a crossover deal with ShareDog for content for yeah. the website. So obviously, you know, that's a leap from where they were a year ago. So, you know, things are changing. It's, it's, a, it's an up-and-coming sport, you know, and it's, it's, it's very exciting, and I think it has a lot of uh, promises. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that the, the, the whole violence uh, angle that's been used for so many years by a lot to shy away from it is really not there. I mean, these are disciplined athletes. These people know exactly what they're doing, uh, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, there are rules, and they follow them. So, you know, it's not cockfighting. This isn't, you know, some underground fighting. This is a legitimate sport with legitimate athletes. Uh, and as far as their body taking abuse, I guarantee they take less abuse than an average football player. You know, who retires in 15 years of playing and can barely walk. Mike, last question. Uh, how can people get tickets to the June 2nd Dynamite USA show? Do you have a website you can throw at us? Uh, the easiest way to get tickets for the event is Ticketmaster.com um, on the web or any Ticketmaster location nationwide. Um, they all have tickets, and obviously, you know, we have we have uh, plenty of seats, and, and you know, we are we are very excited about filling them. We did a show. In uh, 2002 in Japan, National Stadium, we had 93,000 people. The energy that that creates with all the people present is, is unbelievable. So anybody who has a chance to, you know, to, to go see it live, it is definitely, definitely well worth your, your money. And we have some $30 tickets. We have some $60 tickets. So, you know, anybody can come in. Mike, thanks for making time to join us this week. Uh, I'll watch the fight with anticipation. And uh, I'm going to pay closer attention to MMA now. Thanks for joining me. Anytime. Thanks. You're listening to Sports. Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. 
and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is a good friend of the show, someone we haven't caught up with uh, in way too long, Rick Buecher, ESPN's NBA insider. Rick, uh, I know it's been a busy week. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. It has been a, a crazy week, and we're not even into the conference finals yet. Man, the suspensions of Amari Stoudemire, Boris Diaw, by the NBA earlier this week. Everyone knows the story. You know, my argument all week long has been that the NBA has been inconsistent. They rule by the spirit of the law in some cases, like where Baron Davis elbows Derek Fisher in the Jazz Warriors series, but then they rule by the letter of the law when Stoudemire and Diaw, who, by the way, have never been suspended or never been thrown out of a game, leave the bench to reportedly come help their teammate. Why the inconsistencies? I, I, probably because the one great fear, the, what has driven the league since uh, it happened in Detroit, was the brawl. Right. And the brawl was a multiple-player situation, and they have just it, – it's basically the precedent here. So that being their biggest concern, uh, there was nothing that happened after the fact with the Baron Davis situation. So – it didn't raise. It didn't ring any bells. When they see guys coming off the bench, when they see players congregating, that's when they get nervous. That's when the temperature goes up. That's when the feeling is we have to make sure at all costs that we never allow that to happen again. So at the end of the day, uh, it, it, it's that. It's also it's clear in the in the in the rules and in the writing of the rules that. If you leave the bench area, it's an automatic one-game suspension. And they've obviously applied it in situations where people question, was it really fair? And so now they've, they've painted themselves in a corner where they, they believe that they have to continue. Uh, two contentions here. Uh, one, you mentioned it. They, they've, they've ruled in terms of the spirit of the rule, not just, not, not just with Baron Davis, but uh, you know, changing the basketball from synthetic back to leather. Exactly. Uh, the, the, the governor, the, the commissioner, has demonstrated that he he'll do what's what's best for the game in a certain situation. And the other part is Tim Duncan and Bruce Bowen stepping off of the bench onto the floor during the second quarter. Uh, I I submit that if you're going to go based on that, you could have. I, I I don't have a problem if they had just uh, even suspended Amari Stoudemire. But Boris Diaw was clearly not an aggressor here. And if you're going to say Tim Duncan and Bruce Bowen weren't aggressors in the second quarter, then, then you could easily put Boris Diaw in the same camp. And, and by and large, uh, the, the people would, would walk away from this feeling that at least they came close to a certain amount of justice. Rick, NBA Commissioner David Stern interviewed this week, basically said his hands are tied. Yes. He can only do yes. what his owners vote on. We know 
That's a load of crap. I'm sorry, Commissioner Stern. He's been on this show before, and I think he does a great job. But, you know, when the NBA Board of Governors meets, I had a chance. I traded some emails with Suns owner Robert Sarver this week. First thing on his agenda is to try and get this rule changed. Rick, what I think needs to happen is the NBA needs to redefine what an altercation is because there were no punches thrown. There was not any physical confrontation. I think they need to be very concise with what an altercation is. Don't yeah, you think I'll so? To be honest, Brian, my feeling is, is that unless they show a better ability to adjudicate based on the spirit of the rule rather than how the rule is written, right. it doesn't matter how it is written because there's always going to be a gray area. There's always going to be a question mark that they are going to have to address. And that's that's the greater issue that I have is – Stop looking at this as, uh, one, stop working, operating out of fear that something's going to happen. I mean, the, the way they are handling the referees, the way they're handling the players, all of it is based on this fear of something happening that, that may affect the, 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 the presentation of the league, the, the personality of the league, the popularity of the league. And... The problem is is that we all love to see competitive, passionate basketball. That's what we really that's what we enjoy in sport. And what he and and, and, and Commissioner Stern would love to see that too. It's what sells the sport. And yet you are asking people to, to play in a, in an emotional, passionate way and then immediately cut that off. And I only know machines, computers, my household appliances that are capable of doing that. And it's just an unrealistic thing. Uh, it's an un, I believe, an unrealistic fear. I mean, there's always going to be that fear, but you shouldn't base all of your decisions on what, what is almost becoming a paranoia now. My guest is Rick Buecher. He's ESPN's NBA insider. Rick, don't you think the league has also given a bit of license here? for other role players or even scrubs to come into a game and maybe try and use a similar tactic with a LeBron James, a Kobe Bryant, a Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, it's got to open up some ideas here, don't you think? Yeah, I, I find it hard to imagine a coach actually directing a player to come in. I know we've seen it on the, uh, on the college level. There, there have been situations. I, I have a hard time picturing one, a, a – uh, a pro coach doing that, but that's not to say that some individual player wouldn't take it upon himself. And, and the bottom line still is, whether it was intended or otherwise, it certainly opens up further opportunity for a scrub player to make his mark. And whether it be directed, whether it be uh, publicly condoned or not, I, I guarantee you that if the San Antonio Spurs wind up winning this series. Uh, Ori is not going to be punished in any way, shape, or form by the San Antonio Spurs. In some ways, they will, I, I guarantee you, uh, or I would expect, that there will be a, a, a quiet uh, uh, acceptance and uh, a bit of condoning what happened, simply because at the end of the day, it got them where they wanted to go. Right. You know, if you're the league You've had some tough goes, like we said, it started a few years ago with the melee in Detroit. The league has been battling an image problem ever since then. And we were seeing great basketball, you know, big upset. The Warriors beat the Mavericks. The Warriors 
getting a lot of publicity. A lot of people tuned in to watch them. And then the Spurs Suns, a terrific series before this happened. Now there's shows like this one where we're focusing on suspensions and flagrant fouls instead of good basketball. It's got to be a bad thing for the NBA, don't you think? No, no question about it. And it's, it's interesting. There have been any number of missteps. Uh, certainly since they've, uh, they've adjusted some of how they're officiating the game, that they've tried to make the games uh, less of a slugfest down in the post. They've made it more of an athletic up-and-down game, uh, the, games that were the, the type of game that we, we all grew up playing. It has certainly fostered uh, a rejuvenation of the league. And it's almost like they're not happy or they're trying to expedite it or they're, they're creating the Frankenstein and they want to create, you know, they want to tweak it one more turn and they end up uh, blowing it up as a result. There's, there's no question that the here, – here's what it comes down to. It's almost as if David Stern does not trust the game in and of itself to sell the league. Yeah, he's become so paranoid. Yes, that it's got to be, you know what, I've got to control the image because it's not the game, it's not the competition of the game, it's the image of the game that I have to make sure that I am protecting. And when you're doing that, uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you're basing your decisions on image and perception, the reality, no doubt, and the game in this case, is going to suffer, and that's exactly what we see. I mean, I dare say that with all that happened with Utah and Golden State, are we going to remember Baron Davis and Stephen Jackson? Are we going to remember that over the series? No, because the series was decided on the court, ultimately. Right, but five years from now, people about the Suns and the Spurs. You're exactly right. Five years from now, that's what people are going to remember, and that's, in my opinion, a very bad thing for the league. Hey, Rick, you know David Stern? He's been on the Mount Rushmore of commissioners. Do you think this takes him down a few notches? What does this do for his legacy? He's not well. If, he, if these are his waning years, he's not going out in grand fashion, and and he's long been. Uh, people have. Uh, always lauded his uh, one how he restored the league, two uh, his marketing ability, his, his his savvy on that front, his vision in terms of going global. Uh, but uh, he's, there have always been questions about his caretaking the game itself, the game of basketball. Pete Newell and and other people who are basketball purists will tell you that in many ways David Stern is the worst thing that's actually happened to the game of basketball and and the way he's going out now with these decisions it's only adding more evidence to that position and we won't really be able to assess the good and bad of David Stern until his career is all said and done but the way it's going now he's putting ample evidence on the side of people who will say you know what did a great job of building NBA as a business, did a great job of killing NBA as a sport. Interesting. You know, the other thing I'd be a little concerned about is the TV ratings. Outside of when Golden State is played and outside of the Spurs-Sun series, the TV ratings are dismal. Let me tell you this. I almost threw up my dinner the other night watching the fourth quarter of the Nets-Cavaliers game. Yeah. If, if they want to torture uh, CIA people, yeah. just make them watch Eastern Conference playoffs, and I, I think they'll do that. 
that's got to be concerning too. And if you look at some of the teams that are remaining in the playoffs, they're not playing an up-tempo brand. It's more the slow, plodding, defensive, not the real fan-enticing type of basketball. I believe that uh, that every team has uh, has increased its tempo, and it has become more of an offensive game overall. You couldn't have a Chicago Bulls team knocking off the Miami Heat. You couldn't have the Golden State Warriors knocking off the Dallas Mavericks. And it's just a matter of are we going to get more and more teams who have that capability? It's I mean we're we're in the in the in the beginning years of teams developing their rosters in order to play a more up-tempo style. So uh, the other part is, is that as far as TV ratings, I just I don't get the sense that from from again from Commissioner Stern's standpoint because it's about the image. It's not about the game itself, that he's far more interested in and far more concerned about sponsors and the ancillary things, not in terms of just the numbers ratings. And I know some of that drives your ability to sell advertising, but that, in part, is upon the TV uh, networks that own the life that, that that own the 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 viewership uh, it, it's up to them to sell that advertising I just get the sense that CERN is much more worried that when he walks into a corporate office he's not going to talk to a hardcore basketball fan he's not going to talk to somebody who's actually watching the games he's talking to somebody who is going to buy a billboard or advertising in an arena based on what the image of the NBA is and who they're selling to. And he wants to go in and say, look, this is our image. This is an image that you can put your money behind. This is, a, this is an image that uh, is marketable. And uh, you may agree, you may disagree. I just, I totally, I, I get the sense that it's not about the fans. It's not about the, the raw numbers out there. It's more about uh, satisfying the suits that, uh, that, that the NBA is not a hip-hop slash thug type league. Rick, one minute left. Looking ahead to the offseason, what's the single biggest story we're going to be talking about? Is it the draft with Odin and Durant? Is it... Kevin Garnett or a big name getting moved? What's the biggest story we're going to be talking about in the offseason? Certainly it'll be Greg Oden and Kevin Durant, but it'll be draft night in general because what we've seen is that the trade deadline uh, during the season has become the time when teams tweak their rosters based on the salary cap. They're trying to get under the salary cap. They're trying to move a uh, – uh, they're tr- trying to acquire contracts that are going to expire to set themselves up for free agency. It's all about uh, money and flexibility in February. The draft night has become a two-pronged, this is when you try to get picks, and this is when you make your deal. So I would fully expect, I don't know that we're going to see Kevin Garnett moved, but you'll see Greg Oden and Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant selected and changing the faces of uh, a couple of franchises, and then you'll see some other names, uh, a Sean Marion perhaps, uh, a, a few other guys, uh, top-tier guys we could see being moved on draft night. Rick, that is all the time we have. I wish we had more time. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's the steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Rick, always fantastic to catch up. Wonderful to have dinner with you a few weeks ago in the Bay Area. Meet your wonderful children and your wife. Uh, let's catch up again soon. Sounds good, Brian.
Thanks, Rick. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James' highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Well, we all know that Michael Vick has been at the center of an alleged dogfighting ring. Well, he had a fire sale on that house that his cousin's been living in, in Georgia. Uh, He wanted to dump it. It was valued at $747,000, Bobby. It sold in one day for $350,000. That's what you call a bargain basement price in someone who wants to get rid of their house. Where, where, where can I sign up for a deal like that? Yeah, no kidding. Hey, quick reminder, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, they've named World Team Tennis CEO and Commissioner Alana Kloss as their 2007 Sports Business Woman of the Year. This Thursday, May 24th, 11.30 a.m., they're going to have a luncheon at the Multnomah Athletic Center in Portland. If you want to go to that event, Go to WarsawCenter.com and sign up or go to SportsBusinessRadio.com. Click on their banner. Lots of thank yous this week. Rick Buecher from ESPN. Mike Kogan from the Fighting Entertainment Group. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, Nike Golf, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Podcast reminder, you can catch us on demand anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Thanks for hanging in there with me this week with my bad voice, and I'll see you next week with a better voice. Take care. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.